I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The headlines, of course, today surrounding the one year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd at the hand of a Minneapolis police officer. Uh, More headlines at the family of George Floyd met today in the White House with President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. And, of course, the president expressing uh, his frustration that legislation for police reform has not been brought to his desk from the House and the Senate to be signed into law. As always, there's much, much more to the story. So let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. So let's think again. Let's think a little deeper. This is an area where, again, we see the typical back and forth between Democrats and Republicans, a lot of posturing between both sides of the aisle. And let's just dig a little deeper on this one. Let's uh, start first uh, with a uh, George Floyd's brother uh, speaking to reporters uh, directly after meeting with President Biden in the Oval Office. This is the thing. If you can make federal laws to protect the bird, which is the bald eagle, you can make federal laws to protect people of color. So clearly the Floyd family is frustrated with the slowness of the process in Washington, D.C. If things can be done quickly uh, for protecting animals, uh, surely we can do that to protect humans uh, for sure. Uh, A second member of the family, a nephew, uh, Brandon Williams, a nephew to George Floyd, Uh, spoke to reporters as well about their interaction, their meeting with President Biden, and uh, some updates in terms of the policy side of the equation. I think it was a a very great meeting. We're very appreciative and grateful that the uh, president, vice president, invited us here. I think that the meeting went well. He showed um, concern. And um, I think genuinely he wanted to know exactly how we were doing and um, what he could do to support us. And he did let us know that he supports passing the bill, but he wants to make sure that it's the right bill and not a rush bill. Um, he also said that um, he said that deadline, um, he's not happy about it not being met. But all in all, he just wants the bill to be right and meaningful and that it holds Georgia's legacy intact. So it needs to be the right bill, not a rushed bill. I think that is important. I think that's great that the family is saying that uh, to the public, that it is more important to get this right than it is to get it rushed. I also think, though, and we talked about this in hour number one today, uh, I do think it's really important for us to think through the areas where there is broad agreement, overwhelming agreement. 
Uh, we were talking with Chief Bur- uh, former Chief Burbank uh, earlier and talking about, look, everybody agrees we need a database. Everybody needs knows we need to analyze the data of what is happening, and we need to make all of that transparent and available to the public. Uh, that can build trust. That can help both law enforcement and the general public. Uh, we, we've got to forge those relationships of trust. Now, there are many in Washington, D.C. We, we always talk about the division uh, and some of the uh, efforts that uh, are less than noble in terms of politics in Washington, D.C. There are a lot of people uh, working on both criminal justice reform and police reform uh, from both sides of the political aisle. We spoke with Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee earlier, who's been in the middle of a lot of those criminal justice reform pieces uh, with Cory Booker, a uh, Democratic senator from New Jersey, also with uh, Republican Tim Scott. And so I, I want to go to uh, some of these comments that show where we actually are in the process and that we might actually be closer than we think if we're willing to scrap this idea of a 2,000-page broad brush sweeping piece of legislation and target areas we know need to be fixed and everybody agrees on. Let's start with Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. I start with our fundamental American values. When someone violates the law, again, this is not about the officers out there who every single day go into tough situations, do their job. Uh, This is about people who violate the law, uh, often uh, ending in someone's death. Uh, We've seen the videotapes of these things that do not comport with not just our common values, but even uh, the police profession looks askance and looks down on. Uh, We we have to have uh, a real criminal accountability. That's so important. These fundamental American values. And when someone violates the law, uh, it's not about all of the police. It's it's about that particular officer out there uh, who did the wrong thing. And we have to validate and recognize the vast majority of those who, as Senator Booker said, uh, go into harm's way every single day, uh, make tough decisions, and and we can do this. Uh, I want to continue with Senator Booker uh, for a moment uh, because he's really sending a message that, yes, we are close on this because both Republicans and Democrats' leadership on both sides have said, sit down at the table and let's get something worked out. I wouldn't have a negotiating partner in Tim Scott if Mitch McConnell uh, didn't uh, believe that this is something that we should be at the table trying to work through. We are on the Senate side in working in good faith to bring this to a conclusion. I, in one of my negotiations, sat with uh, Karen Bass and Tim Scott in, of all places, the Strom Thurmond room in the United States Senate. And you had three African-Americans sitting around a table uh, trying to work this out. I know there's going to be a lot of folks who have a lot to say about this before we finished our work, and God willing, we'll land this on a bill. But uh, in terms of what I know from the Senate, people like Senator Langford on the Republican side, Senator uh, Sass, Senator Cornyn, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, on their side, I know uh, that there are people that believe that we should be at the table trying to negotiate a solution. So, again, that's uh, Senator Cory Booker and uh, Senator Tim Scott, again, Republican from South Carolina. He, of course, delivered the uh, very memorable uh, response to President Joe Biden's first address to joint session of Congress Congress earlier this year, uh, declared America not a racist nation. Uh, And he also shared some of his personal story. Uh, He actually, a couple of years ago on the floor of the Senate, uh, talked about the fact that 
he had been stopped seven times by law enforcement officers uh, because they didn't know he was a senator uh, and what that meant and how that felt to him. Uh, he's often described his own story as going from cotton to Congress. Uh, and uh, so he has felt that he has experienced uh, all of the negative issues of prejudice and bias. And he's the one who's at the table with Cory Booker from New Jersey. And, and they're they're coming together around some of these things that should work. Uh, of course, one of the sticking points has been this area of immunity. Really interesting. House Majority Whip, Democratic uh, Representative Jim Clyburn, uh, who's long been part of the civil rights uh, discussion and movement, uh, made a really important statement in terms of how do we get a bill that can be passed and signed into law. I will never sacrifice good on the altar of perfect. If you don't get qualified immunity now, then we'll come back and try to get it later. But I don't want to see us throw out a good bill because we can't get a perfect bill. And I think that is the most important thing for us to be thinking about when it comes to police reform. We don't need a perfect bill. We don't need a 1,500-page bill. Let's not uh, sacrifice the good at the altar of perfect, as Representative Clyburn said. Let's get the things we know we need to get done that everybody agrees on. Let's get that passed, and let's get that signed into law. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.